Oral questions by members. Leader of the Official Opposition. Thank you, uh, Mr. Speaker. Mr. Speaker, Keith Light is the latest victim of the Premier's housing failures. At 77 years old, this former construction worker has been trapped in a two-year-long wait for a call from BC Housing that never comes. Keith's New Year's Eve was spent in an old RV desperately trying to stay warm as he, and I quote, just laid there and visualized BC Housing calling me and saying, we have a place for you, end of quote. Now, we as the official opposition have been calling for two years now for this government to listen to the seniors' advocate and fix the long wait lists that have exploded under this NDP government. I can tell you, BC United will certainly fix it. We'll update the Safer Rent Subsidies program immediately to reflect the current housing market and actually support our seniors. And so my question to the Premier is the Safer Rent Subsidies have not changed for six years. Why is this Premier failing to help seniors who aren't getting the help they need while they sit stuck on BC Housing wait lists? Minister of Housing. Uh, thank you, Honourable Speaker. And, um, uh, the story of Keith is uh, a challenging one for all of us. I've met in this role as Minister of Housing, unfortunately, too many Keiths. Um, it's really hard to hear from people who are, whether they have worked their entire lives and then find themselves on the verge of homelessness, or if they're a young family who's working full time and can't find housing in their community and find themselves living in RVs. It's, it's, it's tragic. It's really difficult for me, but I do meet with folks and, uh, and listen to them and, he and hear from them about what the pathway is, how do we address this. We know, Honourable Speaker, we are two decades behind when it comes to investing in affordable housing. Governments decided that they didn't want to inf invest in it, that we would just leave it to the private sector alone. Members. Serious Ms. question. Ms. I'm trying to give a serious answer. Governments believed that um, we could just step out of the way and let the private sector deal with it. The private sector has an important role, but it's going to require government investments. We've been making historic investments. Now, the member talked about SAFER. The member will know that uh, when we came into government, SAFER was very, the funding was very low. We, in fact, increased the funding in 2018 by 48%. Now, the, the program serves 20,000 seniors in British Columbia. I think helps a lot of people. And we do acknowledge that it needs more reform. We uh, have launched a, um, uh, an invest a um, review of the program. The review is complete. We're just going through the details of the recommendations. I met with the seniors advocate as well and shared with her my commitment, the shared commitment that we're going to continue to build housing, invest in housing and support seniors as uh, the challenges we're dealing with with global uh, inflation and the housing crisis continue. Leader of the Official Opposition, supplemental. Well, thank you, Mr. Speaker. Well, a classic NDP. More reviews, more meetings, more emails, more bureaucracy, everything but actual results for the people that need those, that help today. Right now. Here's the reality, Mr. Speaker. The seniors' advocate, okay, who's there to represent the interests of seniors and reports to this legislature, the seniors' advocate says that BC seniors receive less support than seniors in any other province. In fact, British Columbia rates the worst in the country under this government. Under this Premier's watch, 
Well, he was the minister responsible for housing, overseeing BC Housing, the Crown Agency responsible for this. The wait list for seniors subsidized housing has doubled. And despite running a record-setting historic deficit, the largest in the history of this province, in spite of doubling the provincial debt, in spite of the fact that they want to increase it by another 64% over the next three years, somehow this Premier couldn't be bothered to just increase the subsidies for our most vulnerable seniors. Seniors like Carol Fawcett from Vernon are being neglected by this NDP government. She says, and again I quote, it's absolutely disrespectful how seniors are treated by the government in that we don't even have enough to live with any dignity or respect, end of quote. How can this Premier continue to fail seniors who rely on the safer subsidy program so badly despite running up the largest deficit in the history of the province of British Columbia? Minister of Housing. Uh, thank you, Honourable Speaker. And, and as, as I said to the member previously, um, when I said governments for two decades decided not to invest in affordable housing, perhaps he didn't realize I was talking about him and his party. For two decades, there was a decision made by governments not to invest in affordable housing. And so Mem now. Members, members, it's, please. It's recognized. Members, members, Minister has the floor. The level of affordable housing that was needed for the last two decades in British Columbia has not been built in, in communities throughout this province, Honourable Speaker. The member knows that. The member knows that. Oh, he doesn't know that. Oh, that's, that's a surprise that the Leader of the Opposition doesn't know. Members, 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 let's have one speaker at a time, please. One person, one person at a time. Minister will continue. Thank you, Honourable Speaker. Um, perhaps to refresh the member across the way, the leader of the official opposition memory, I'll send him a list of the projects that they cancelled, affordable housing projects they cancelled in 2001 in communities. In fact, my colleague here has one in his community as well. Now, Honourable Speaker, the challenge is real. We know that. We have seen uh, our population continue to increase. We welcome people to British Columbia. But at the same time, the amount of housing has not increased. It's a real challenge, and we're not alone in dealing with this challenge. This is a challenge that's being dealt with by provinces across the country, jurisdictions across North America. Met recently with uh, uh, representatives from Ireland who are dealing with the same challenges. How are we responding, Honourable Speaker? We increased the SAFER program by 42% from what they were funding it, 42%, Honourable Speaker. We still have more to do. We're investing historic levels of dollars into building actually affordable housing that people can afford in our communities. We're unlocking housing, Honourable Speaker, by allowing three, four, six units on single-family lots. We're protecting our housing stock with a rental protection fund, Honourable Speaker. All of this work is on a pathway to address the challenge we have. We have a serious plan with Homes for PP, People Plan, Honourable Speaker. Unfortunately, I haven't heard anything serious from the opposition. Member for Surrey White Rock. Day after day, we see this Minister of Housing time after time misrepresent in this House, and it needs to stop, and it needs to stop today. At what point will this Minister actually take responsibility for the utter failure we are seeing in housing today in British Columbia? Young families are seeing the dreams of home ownership disappear. And the Premier, he peddles a fantasy 
of government schemes and empty announcements to the rescue. His track record tells a different story. Whether it's the utter mismanagement and the scandals of BC Housing, which include mass board firings and the fatal fire we saw at the Winters Hotel, what do we see? We see a surge in homelessness of 34% in Metro Vancouver alone. That is this minister's record, this premier's record, and they need to take responsibility for it. And now we see a damning new report called, This Isn't Working. And it says, homelessness will skyrocket a further 50%. Considering this premier's dismal record, how can anybody believe what they are doing, including those making nearly $200,000 a year in terms of subsidies, will actually turn out any different when he has constantly failed those who are in dire need? Minister. Thank you, Honourable Speaker. Um, we met with the folks who wrote this report. We acknowledged that there are still challenges that we need to address in the community, in the downtown east side, Honourable Speaker. But what they made clear, and perhaps if the members took time to meet with them before they asked this question, was that there was nothing happening for people in the downtown east side before we, we formed government. The, the level of action. The level of action that was needed was not happening, Honourable Speaker. Members, 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 you, members, members, you will have the opportunity to come back and ask another question to correct if you feel it's not. No, hold it. Let's hear the minister. He has the floor. If the members are serious about this question, if the members are serious about this question, I welcome them to go and meet with the people who wrote the report and hear from them about what they believe was the record of that party when they were in government compared to ours, Honourable Speaker. They will tell you, they will tell you that we've opened 1,400 supportive housing units in Vancouver since we formed government. They will tell you that we have either purchased or renovated 600 new SRO units in the downtown east side. They will tell you that we provide $11 million for the SRO collaborative to support the most vulnerable people. They'll tell you that we're funding a brand new project of 103 homes for Indigenous people with LUMA and First United. They will tell you, Honourable Speaker, that we are funding 170 homes and 80 new shelters with the Vancouver Aboriginal Friendship Centre, Honourable Speaker. I recommend before they ask questions about this report that they meet with the folks who wrote the report so they can get the true facts of what the challenges are. Sorry, White Rock Supplemental. Thank you, Mr. Speaker. Mr. Speaker, I'll give this minister a number. It's the number two. It's the number two. That's two years without heat. That's two months without hot water. That is the situation at the Cedar Lane Motel. That is the situation this minister, this ministry, has known about for over a month and a half. So when he talks about meetings, has he gone and met with the seniors at the Cedar Lane Motel to see the absolutely abysmal conditions they're living day in and day out? Minister, have you met with them? Because the answer the is chair. no, you haven't. Through the chair. So residents like Don McKay are living this day in and day out. They are forced in this situation they get eviction notices based on permits that don't exist. The RTB knows this. The minister knows this. What do we hear from the minister? Nothing. We hear silence. So, to the premier, 
to the minister. What is it going to take for him to get up and do his job so people like Don and the seniors at the Cedar Lane Motel aren't living in the absolutely abysmal conditions this minister has put them in today? Minister. Thank you, Honourable Speaker. Every time I or my colleagues hear about an incident where people are struggling, where there's a challenge, we take steps to respond. Every single time. Now, the, the folks that are living in this privately owned uh, motel uh, had some serious concerns that came forward. The compliance enforcement unit, which we created on our side to take proactive action, stepped in. They've taken steps to reach out to the owner, inform the owner of their responsibility to ensure there's hot water. They've also been given a, a, a permit by the City of Surrey for uh, redevelopment of that project. Honourable Speaker. M members, members, please, please the continue. Mem the, mem the member is highlighting a, uh, a private party that is not following their obligations to the renters. And if he is upset about that, well, then I concur with him. I agree with him. If he's upset about that, I'm upset about that as well. We have taken steps to use a compliance enforcement unit to step in to inform this owner of this building that what they're doing with their tenants is inappropriate. I'm agreeing with the member. Now, the solution to the challenges, Honourable Speaker, is we have to unlock more housing supply in our, in our province. That's what the legislation that we brought in last fall was about. We have to invest in direct affordable housing, Honourable Speaker, which we're doing at a historic amount. We have to protect our existing housing stock. That's what we were doing in Esquimalt yesterday when we protected 16 homes for people who were about to be displaced because a private interest was going to buy it and jack up their rents. Honourable Speaker, all the steps we're doing is to address the challenges that the members laid out. And so we're going to continue to do that work because we know that every single person in British Columbia deserves to have a safe, affordable place that they can call home. Thank you. House Leader of the Third Party. Yeah, thank you, Mr. Speaker. Under this Minister of Health, spending has increased from $18 billion when he took the office to $36 billion now. A year ago, the minister agreed to adopt minimum nurse-patient ratios. The minister told nurses that help was on the way. However, the experience of British Columbians trying to access health care and Stats Canada paint a different picture, Mr. Speaker, than uh, the version of exceptionalism that we hear in here uh, day in and day out. Uh, according to Stats Canada, there are nearly 5,500 vacant, uh, uh, vacant job postings for nurses across the province. BC nurses are here today. They want less announcements from the minister and more supports more supports to retain nurses, including a provincially coordinated plan to address the systemic workplace health and safety concerns that have been raised over and over and over again. The minister's $36 billion health care system is in crisis, Mr. Speaker. What is his plan to retain nurses, and will he deliver a provincial plan to address the health and safety concerns he's known about and failed to solve? Minister of Health. Well, thank you very much, Honourable Speaker, and we're doing just that. Uh, we're working specifically with nurses in British Columbia on the issue of nurse ratios, a historic commitment that we're putting into place, Honourable Speaker. In the last uh, number of years, we've led Canada in new registered nurses, including last year, Honourable Speaker. The increase, Honourable Speaker, in the, in the 12 months of 2023 was more than 6,000, Honourable Speaker. That, that has involved the increases we've made in nursing spaces, the improved Pathways to Internationally Educated Nurses, 
and the dramatic increase in number of spaces for nurse practitioner, more than double they were when I became Minister of Health. Honourable Speaker, uh, finally, I would say with respect to the issue of health and safety, one of the key proposals by the BC Nurses Union, by the Hospital Employees Union, by the Health Sciences Association, by the doctors of BC, was to change the system of security and acute care. We said we'd do it. We said we'd hire 320 people in a year. We put in place a new relational security model, and we have delivered on behalf of nurses and others in BC. House Leader, third party supplemental. What's doubled is this health care minister's budget, and yet our health care system is still in deep, deep crisis. You know who is doing well uh, under this minister, and that's uh, private health care corporations. They're doing really well uh, under this minister. One of the ways uh, he's tried to address the shortage uh, of nurses is through uh, the expansion of agency nurses. Uh, the Premier wondered out loud recently, uh, quote, how, are we, uh, how adding profit margin to the limited number of health care workers, how we have sometime, Im, somehow improves services for people? It's a question that the Premier asked, and it's a good question from the Premier. And I'm wondering if he asked uh, the Minister of Health right before uh, jacking up his budget again this year. He's relying, this Minister of Health is relying on agency nurses, adding cost to the system, and profit, Mr. Speaker, for corporations. Dispirited nurses, uh, exhausted by the lack of support, uh, by this $36 billion minister, leave the public service to join the for-profit health care system. The result is a 400 percent increase in spending of, for agency nurses over the past four years. To the $36 billion minister, we're seeing creeping privatization of health care <laughs> under his watch. It appears to be his strategy. He's doing it with public money. When is he going to come, Colleen, and just admit that that's what he's doing? Minister of Health. Uh, Honourable Speaker, the facts are the opposite. Honourable Speaker, the facts are the opposite. We have the largest capital building project program in the history of uh, the BC healthcare system. Every one of those projects, health authority owned and operated. Honourable Speaker, uh, with respect to nursing, Honourable Speaker, we've increased 602 nursing spaces in in uh, British Columbia's colleges and universities. We've improved pathways to internationally educated nurses. We're leading Canada in new nurses, while other jurisdictions, such as Alberta, have lost nurses in the same period, Honourable Speaker. Uh, the fact of the matter is we are working with nurses as we work with doctors, Honourable Speaker, to ensure that working conditions for nurses improve, that nurse ratios <clears throat> are put in place in British Columbia, and that we're adding nurses to our system. The facts say that, Honourable Speaker. The member can be opposed. The member is suggesting he's opposed to more money to pay for health care when we have 650,000 people across British Columbia. Members, that's what he's saying. I disagree members, with him, Honourable Speaker. Members, I disagree with him, Honourable Speaker. Honourable Speaker. Members? Members? Well, uh, talk about results. Leading Canada and new nurses putting in place. Well, well honourable, honourable Speaker, Honourable Speaker, we had, uh, we had uh, around 300 nurse practitioners in BC when I became Minister of Health. We now have more than 1,000. That's important. That's a change. That's an increase. <laughs> we led Canada in new registered nurses. Hasn't always been the case. There's one health minister who lost registered nurses in the, in the history of BC healthcare. That was the leader of the opposition. But we are leading Canada in new registered nurses, and we're going to continue to recruit, retain, and make life better for nurses in British Columbia. House Leader of the Fourth Party. Members. Thank you very much, Mr. Speaker. I've had the opportunity to speak at length with Melanie, the mother of Sophia, 
who tragically died. Melanie told me a bit about her daughter, Sophia, and I would want to share some of what she shared with me with the House today. Sophia was a fighter. She was a ball of energy and passion, and she had a way of speaking with people with incredible love and care to anyone, no matter who they were. She was the kind of person who wanted to help everyone. Mr. Speaker, Melanie told me that Sophia actually wanted to become a medical doctor so she could help British Columbia heal. Sadly, Sophia could not afford the debt, and she didn't have the ability to spend almost a decade at university. So she did the next best thing. She started helping with our most vulnerable. Mr. Speaker, every British Columbian deserves a doctor, and every child born in British Columbia deserves the opportunity to become one if they want to do so. My question to the Minister of Finance, what percentage of new spending on health in the 2024 budget is going towards allowing more British Columbian kids to become doctors so that they can help heal our province? Minister of Health. Uh, th thank you very much, Honourable Speaker. And, and of course, it would be, I think, wrong not to say how much everyone in BC feels for Sophia and for her family. And I appreciate uh, the member raising her story again in the legislature today. Uh, the way we get more doctors in BC is to add spaces in medical schools. We're adding 128 at UBC Medical School. And we're starting a second medical school, the first in generations in Western Canada at SFU in Surrey. The way you need more doctors is to increase pathways for internationally educated doctors. And we've done just that. 938 registered in, the, in 2023 alone. The way you get more doctors in longitudinal family practice is to work with doctors in BC and with nurse practitioners in BC. And this was a record year for longitudinal family practice and doctors, more than 708 doctors in longitudinal family practice in nine months, Honourable Speaker. You work with people, you take steps to make workplaces better, you add primary care networks and team-based care, you increase spaces in medical schools, you improve pathways to international medical doctor, uh, and for international medical graduates, and finally, Honourable Speaker, you respect doctors in their work, whether they're doctors in public health or anywhere else. House Leader of the Fourth Party Supplemental. Mr. Speaker, as we have heard in this House, the Leader of the Opposition was the one that made the cuts to BC's health care system that got BC's health care system to this point. In 32 years, there's been 16 years of incompetence by the Leader of the BC United and now this NDP Health Minister. When I talked with Melanie, when I talked with members, Melanie, members, 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 come to order, please. Members, members, no cross-talking, please. Member has the floor. When I talked with Melanie, she told me that she had an infant son who also died due to delayed medical treatment. And she herself, like a million other British Columbians, does not have a doctor. BC's, BC's health care system has failed her twice, and she's deathly afraid it's going to fail her. I want to read from a post that Melanie shared on her personal social media, and I quote, 
I find it odd to hear my name and things I've said. Question Along number. My daughter's name come member, out let's in the have a question, please. Of politicians. You know, out of respect for a woman that has lost two infants, I think this House should pay attention to the words that she said. I find it odd to hear my name of things I've said, along with my daughter's name, come out of the mouths of politicians who have not even spoken to me or acknowledged my letter to them. Our government of British Columbia has failed me twice, and it's despicable. I deserve an acknowledgement and an apology from a few people in our provincial government, the NDP Minister of Health, the Premier, Dr. Henry, and since he's used my comments, Kevin Falcon. End Thank quote. You. Question, member. Mr. Speaker, my question to the Minister of Health: Will you commit to formally apologizing to Melanie and get in touch with her? And will you ask the Premier and Dr. Henry to do the same? Minister of Health. Well, Honourable Speaker, uh, I'd, I'd say a few things uh, in response. Uh, I, I don't think. I don't think, and uh, I, I just say to the opposition House Leader, I, I don't plan to take a long time, but I just want to, I'm just going to say this really, um, very solemnly. I, I understand uh, that they have questions to ask as well. Um, I just say that these are obviously, this is profoundly filled with grief, not just uh, for Melanie, but for the whole community, right? And one of the things I think we owe in this matter is rigorous independent investigation. One of the things we did in this House, Minister was George Habit, and I was the opposition critic, was work together to put just such processes in place so that independent uh, information would be developed and shared with families in, in the first instance and with the community to make the healthcare system better. And I am absolutely committed to that, absolutely committed to going through a rigorous process of doing that because I think that's really what we owe in these circumstances, which is the facts, and a real effort to get at the truth and make things better, and that's what I'll continue to try and do. Thank you very much, Honourable Speaker. Member for Kelowna, Michelle. Three years have passed since the introduction of the Early Learning and Child Care Act. At the time, and the NDP called it a milestone that would, and I quote, confirm government's ongoing commitment to make childcare more affordable and increase transparency and accountability by requiring the province to produce annual reports on its progress towards building a universal childcare system, end quote. Yet three years later, not a single section of this legislation has been enacted. And the only things parents get are glossy NDP brochures, press releases, and rhetoric, not transparency or accountability. Simple question to the Premier. Why hasn't the Act been brought into force? Minister of State for Child Care. Thank you very much, Honourable Speaker, and thank you to the member for the question. We know that childcare is absolutely a vital core service that families need and rely on across the province, and it's also one of the largest expenses facing families today in the province. And so we have been taking action, Honourable Speaker. There are over $13,010 a day childcare spaces in BC. We're on track to hit 15,000 by this spring. Um, and also with the affordable childcare benefit, over 35,000 
children and their families are supported monthly so that lower middle income families are saving over $1,000 a month, Honourable Speaker. So there are many thousands and thousands of families who are experiencing $10 a day or less, and some families are not paying at all for childcare. We know that when the other side were in government, they treated childcare as a luxury. And they would do that again, Honourable Speaker. Our families in British Columbia cannot afford to go back. We will continue investing in building this new system of services. Member for Kerry-Wuchel-Corton. Well, thank you, Mr. Speaker. The Minister of Tourism and Sport has promised complete transparency and claims to know approximately how much FIFA 2026 will cost. So a simple question today to the Minister, how much is FIFA 2026 going to cost taxpayers in this province? Government House Leader. Thank you so much, Honourable Speaker, and thanks to the member for the question. I think uh, most British Columbians are very excited about the idea that we're going to be hosting the world. This is a once-in-a-generation opportunity for us to host the world uh, in, a, in a soccer match. Uh, I know that there are soccer fans on both sides, Honourable Speaker. When we first uh, were putting a proposal forward for FIFA, we were hoping for five games. Uh, and much to our surprise and happiness, we now have seven. Now, with that additional two games, it means we have to make sure that we're prepared for the additional capacity that's needed. That's the work that's happening right now. Once we've done the analysis on what the additional games mean, what the cost will be associated, certainly we'll be making all of that public. Member for City South. Thank you, Honourable Speaker. Under the NDP's watch, our streets have become a battleground of gang warfare with gangs armed with deadly automatic weapons like those used in a recent shootout in a residential neighbourhood of White Rock. The number one funding source for these murderous gangs is the illicit drug trade, bolstered by diverted safe supply programs and the NDP-endorsed <coughs> organisations like the Drug Users Liberation Front. Evidence of this is mounting is seen in a major RCMP operation in Campbell River, where police seize kilograms of fentanyl, cocaine, methamphetamine, and thousands of hydromorphone pills diverted from safe supply prescriptions alongside $30,000 in cash. Why does the Premier continue this taxpayer-funded drug trafficking that's putting money and guns into the hands of gangs? Here, here. Minister of Public Safety and Solicitor General. Thank you, uh, Honourable Speaker, and I appreciate the question uh, from the member. And what I can tell the member is I think the uh, police forces and agencies in our province are doing an outstanding job in uh, interdicting uh, illegal drug trafficking, <coughs> weapons, uh, uh, and other, other criminal activities and gang-related activities in, the, uh, in, the, in, in our province. Uh, what I can tell you is that there have been new initiatives uh, launched to ensure that uh, we are doing everything we can to interdict uh, firearms coming across uh, uh, into our province, working closely with the, uh, the federal government. Uh, Member. Minister, continue, please. Thank you, uh, Honourable Speaker. I note the, uh, the member started off by asking the uh, question uh, about uh, the, the use of these, uh, these, these firearms, dangerous firearms which put communities at risk, which we know are illegal in Canada and have come from across the border in the United States, Honourable Speaker. 
And what we as a province have been doing, along with other provinces, is advocating with the federal government to have tougher restrictions in place, to have more resources at our border uh, to deal, to be able to do better inspections in terms of dealing with the interdiction of illegal firearms. And I can tell you that the resources that we have put in place to assist uh, uh, police in their investigations have been paying dividends. We have seen significant drug busts in the last number of months, Honourable Speaker, that have seen, that have seen arrests and convictions and, and, and hundreds of millions of dollars worth of drugs seized that will no longer be on the street, Honourable Speaker. We are taking action and we will continue to do so. The bell and question period.